Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com podcasts. The Trump administration is calling a claim that a Republican redistricting consultant influenced its decision to add a citizenship question to the 2020 census pure speculation, and an 11th-hour campaign to improperly derail an impending Supreme Court decision. That decision, of course, is whether the administration can add a citizenship question to the 2020 census, and it's expected before the end of June. Joining us is Bloomberg News Supreme Court reporter Greg Storr. So, Greg, let's go back a little bit and explain what was found in the files of the Republican consultant, Thomas Hoffeller, who died in August. Right. Uh, June, actually, let me step back even farther and just explain one bit of context, which is one of the key issues before the Supreme Court, and that is, why does the administration want to add this question to the census? The administration says its reason is that the Justice Department asked for help in enforcing the Voting Rights Act, which is generally designed to protect minority rights. Uh, and, and the opponents of the question say that's just a pretext. That's not your real reason. So in the files of this Republican consultant is what those opponents say is evidence that the real reason was actually to help Republicans and white voters at the polls. And what they found were a couple things. One was a study that, that Mr. Holfeller conducted back in 2015 uh, that essentially said that adding the question, a citizenship question, uh, to the census would indeed help Republicans and white voters at the polls. And then they found some other evidence of a connection between him and a man named Mark Newman, who was an informal advisor to Commerce Secretary Ross. And the suggestion from the opponents is that uh, Dr. Hofeller uh, funneled information through Mr. Newman and eventually influenced uh, the way this, this Justice Department letter to the Commerce Department read. So now the Trump administration writes a letter to federal judge Jesse Furman, who heard the case already, and this is before him. What did the Trump administration say besides denying that this was true? Yeah, it, they say, I, I gave you a few uh, you know, pieces of information there a second ago, and they basically say you can't connect those dots in the way that the, the plaintiffs are, are trying to do it. Uh, they say there's no evidence that the acting assistant attorney general, John Gore, who wrote that letter to the Commerce Department, that he ever knew anything about this study by Dr. Holfeller, um, and there's no evidence that the actual letter he put together uh, to send to the Commerce Department was in any way drawn on uh, the, the work that Dr. Hofeller had done. Uh, there were some similarities in language between some files on, uh, on the Hofeller computer and um, uh, a draft letter that Mr. Newman uh, had sent to Acting Assistant Attorney General Gore uh, but the Justice Department, the Trump administration, is now saying uh, that language never made it into the final language, and you're, you're, you're uh, having to speculate to try to connect those dots. The, the real question, every time we get information on this, that, that goes to the surface is, what, how will this fit into the Supreme Court's upcoming decision when it's information way after the fact? 
Yeah, it, it's really hard to know. I can't think of a good parallel where you have new information like this coming in and where one side says, hey, it proves that the other side was being dishonest this whole time. You know, normally the Supreme Court likes to, you know, base its rulings on the evidence that was before the trial judge at the time uh, uh, the trial judge considered it. Uh, you know, the, the justices based on their usual schedule, should have already, A, voted on it, and B, circulated a draft majority opinion. So it would be quite striking for anything to, to change there fundamentally. And then you have this whole issue that uh, all this new evidence is being presented to the district judge who, um, at least on the surface, no longer has jurisdiction and doesn't uh, clearly have anything to do with this evidence. If it had come up before him uh, a year ago, that would have been one thing. It could have been a part of his ruling, but now it's after the fact, and so it's not at all clear that this will make any difference at the Supreme Court. And one wonders even if the court had it before it. I mean, we, we've talked several times about there being other evidence of what Secretary Ross's real goal was in putting this question on the census. And the justices, at least the conservative justices, don't seem to consider that paramount in their decision. Yeah, at least based on the argument. Nothing in the argument suggested the conservative justices were bothered by any of this sort of thing. Uh, they, you know, there's a, a, a statute that that uh, gives the Commerce Department very broad discretion over formulate, formulating the census and deciding what questions to put on there. The Commerce Department did put forth uh, a rationale for why it did it, and that may be enough for the conservative justices. It may not matter that there were uh, that there's some evidence of, of hidden motives. Uh, it, it, all this stuff may simply be atmospherics as far as they're concerned. So, Greg, is there anything about this before the Supreme Court right now? Not in any formal way. Uh, both sides have filed something at the Supreme Court saying, hey, look what we just filed at the, at the district court. And so the justices are certainly aware that this is going on. But as a formal matter, there is nothing in front of them. I would be surprised if we didn't see some mention of it in somebody's opinion, no matter how the case comes out. But uh, it, it's at least at the moment, there is nothing that the court has to do uh, uh, with any of this evidence. So now we are in the month of June, which is your busiest time at the Supreme Court because the decisions uh, for the term are coming out this month. What are you looking for, and uh, when do you think they'll, the, the big ones will be coming out? Well, the big ones so often come out at the very end of June. That wouldn't surprise me if that is the case uh, with the census case, uh, certainly. Uh, the, the other really big case we're watching for, it's actually two cases involving partisan gerrymandering. The court um, had considered the, uh, the issue last term and sort of kicked the can down the road. It's possible now the conservative justices will say definitively you cannot challenge a, par a, a gerrymandered voting map as being so partisan that it violates the Constitution. Uh, that would be a, a huge decision. It's uh, also at least on the table that the court could at least allow some challenges to, to partisan gerrymandering. 
Um, we're also going to be looking a lot at what cases the court takes up for next term. So there are issues involving abortion that are there. There's an, another case involving a, a bakery that wouldn't make a, a cake for a same-sex wedding. Uh, at some point in the next few weeks, I expect to see the court act on President Trump's uh, effort to kill the DACA program, the Deferred Deportation Program, started under President Obama. Um, and all these issues could uh, crop up uh, next year in the middle of the presidential election campaign. It's going to be very busy. And a, yet another wedding cake case. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> all right, Greg. <laughs> Thank you so much, as always. Sure thing, Jen. That's Bloomberg News Supreme Court reporter Greg Store. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. <laughs>